0: Hello and welcome to Free From The Real, episode 157, brought to you by puremtgo.com, mtgotraders.com, and capefeargames.com. You can hear us each week on puremtgo.com, mtgotraders.com, and mtgcast.com. It's .net. I'll be one of our hosts, AJ. With me as ever is the uh, inimicable Keir Slate. Hey guys, how's it going? And as ever, this is the Free From The Real podcast, bringing you all the news that's fit to listen to regarding the online game and things from the offline game which are of interest to us. Now, one thing which has been offline but uh, we're still waiting for online is Dark Ascension. Uh, What do we know about the upcoming release for that?
1: Uh, Well, we now have details for the release events uh, to go along with the pre-release that will be happening. And Dark Ascension will be available in the store for sale Monday, February 20th uh it will become legal in all standard formats after february fifteenth. So technically I mean another advantage of the pre release that we never really talk about is that you will have the opportunity to play them in a constructed format before they go on sale. Uh because the pre release happens I believe like the seventh start of the seventeenth or so.
0: Or at the very least sell them to somebody who wants to play them in the latest constructed format.
1: Very true. Yeah. So I mean if there are certain cards that would create really good decks that could give you a big leg up, that's another small advantage. Uh, but that's only a small window of a couple of days, so let's talk about the important stuff here. Um, Sadly, there's nothing really super special about the Dark Ascension release events. It's the standard fanfare. There's nothing clever or cute or a little trinkety to add in, like maybe perhaps similar to the War Marks that we had during the Scars of Mirrodin block uh, time. It's just your straight-up normal fanfare, which is still good. Uh, We have... The draft queues, which include both the normal draft of Dark Ascension, Innistrad, Innistrad, and Triple Dark Ascension. And then you have the sealed Swiss flights on demand, and then you have the scheduled events of scheduled premier event drafts and premier event uh, sealed events, which will lead you all the way up to the release event, or the release championship. Yep. Are you thinking about playing any of these, AJ? Or how are you about releases? Do you do a lot of limited...
0: I occasionally dip in the release events, um, or occasionally, sometimes even the pre-release, if I'm uh, um, interested by the promo. Although, since I stopped doing Mythics for those, I've uh, sort of tailed off a bit. Um, I might indulge, but probably not. i will probably more interested in uh, picking up uh, singles after the event, once everything's cooled down a bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, that's not a bad plan at all. I personally, I just love... Um, especially like in these sets, the triple set draft, where you're doing three booster pack drafts of a set that was never really designed to be done that way because it can really create some really weird decks and just some weird strategies. Um, I remember one in particular, I think it was Scar- uh, Saviors of Kamigawa, when you could triple draft that set because of the the nature of some of the cards. There was one in particular that like whenever you played a spirit, it was a green creature that when you played a spirit you could like draw... You looked at the top four cards and like picked a creature and put it in your hand. So basically you could kind of go infinite with this guy and like cheap spirits. And there was a really weird deck based around that. Yeah. So sometimes there's just fun stuff like that. And those are and also I love those cues because it's a good way to just get a lot of exposure to try out a lot of different cards in the set, and you just pick up lots of random commons and uncommons to build your collection up. It's all good. Mm-hmm. And I also I typically play in some of the sealed Swisses just to get. Uh, a feel for the format and try it out there because that is fun and interestingly i went ahead and i posted and you'll see it in the show notes here a comparison of the exact same event the sealed swiss um, draft or the sealed swiss flights with it are on demand the first one uh we have the pre-releases the, a few days before and then right after that we have the releases and just to see it side by side makes me even more mad about the pre-releases
0: that is pretty damning, looking at it as it is. Well, if you win, it's not too much of a differential because you've got the um, uh, stuff to sell. But side by side, you've got a cost of 24 tickets for the release and six tickets more to play it a little bit earlier. If you um, win, then you're looking or at least get a 12 point, um, uh, well, there's four wins uh, on the bat. You'd get 13 in the release, but only 10 in the pre-release. Come second though, and you'll be kicking yourself. Yeah. Because the the release sec- the release nine point prize is double that of the uh, nine point prize for the pre-release. And if you come in with the uh, with a six point um, two wins, um, that then you're looking at treble for the release and over the pre-release.
1: Yeah, that is, that is insane. Like, I know, I mean, I knew we've always known, and you know intuitively and looking at it, you're like, yeah, the pre-release, it costs a little more and you get a little less, but I've never actually stared at them at the same time like this.
0: Yeah, it's very crafty and never actually put them in the same place.
1: Yeah, that's, I, I well, guess, why they do that.
0: If you're honest, it's, Seriously, check the show notes, and it is damning. Yeah, that's that's painful to look
1: at. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I guess – and I'll, I did leave out the fact that there's the pre-release promo, but like you said, since they're not going to be doing Mythics anymore in that spot, doesn't really add a whole lot uh, in terms of value there. So yep. I just can't imagine needing to play a, a, a sealed queue that much
0: earlier. <laughs> oh, Temperance is a virtue, so um, please temper your playing at the moment. Seriously, man, that's crazy. Uh, but looking at it, more
1: importantly, you have the um, the 64-man top eight drafts, which will be scheduled to take place uh, every so often. And the beauty of those is they're, you know, it's a great way to easily draft, and then additionally, you have the chance to get a free draft if you make the top eight. And on top of making qualifying for the release event championship, which will give you another free sealed event. So there's a lot of EV there, uh, if you work on those. And they're quick events, because it's always single elimination. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then you have- free stuff is all go. No. Yeah, you're right. Free stuff, always great. And then also you have the top eight sealed Swiss events um that are scheduled, which give you the opportunity. They are back up to the thirty ticket price of the pre-releases, but you have the chance to qualify for the championship, and also winning gets you a big hefty stack of packs. Yeah.
0: So the disadvantage of the pre-release, coupled with the advantage of actually winning something worthwhile.
1: Yeah. So, so that would be uh, pretty interesting. I mean, you know, it's the typical stuff. If you play in them, you know, keep playing in them. There's nothing really crazy that they changed up here. And if you haven't played in them before, maybe you should check them out. You know, fun release events. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Now, the Release Championships um, does have a launch party card with it, which is um, the alternate art and Shaman, mm-hmm. which is a 3-2-4 uh, werewolf, which when it transforms is a 5-5, five, five with whenever an opponent casts a spell, Tophelar's mage hunter deals 2 damage to that player. Now, the fun thing about that is being a werewolf, if your opponent wants to transform it back from a 5-5, five, five, they're going to have to take 4 damage in the process. Quite probably a total of nine damage overall. Which is nice.
1: Yeah, I mean it and unfortunately it fails the uh the typical werewolf test of how's the front side look? It's so assuming you never flip it, can it be good? And a four mana three two is not too stellar. But uh yeah, if you do come up with you know, some strategy and you do end up flipping it, your opponent's in for quite a world of hurt.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. They do seem to have uh, skimped on the front end of most of the werewolves in this set, which yeah, but deliberate ploy. But yeah,
1: yeah, but they did really power up the back end of the werewolves uh, compared to the yeah. last set.
0: The whole turning into monsters thing. But the question is, with such weak front ends, are they p- going to be playable at all?
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I have, I do have high hopes for the what is it, the Ravager of the Fells, the Huntmaster. Yeah. Uh, because he just seems like a good red-green creature, and both of it, when he comes into play, he obviously gets the advantage, and if he ever flips, he's huge. And then even if he flips back, he's great. So he just seems like a good red-green creature. Whether or not he would coalesce help coalesce a werewolf deck together, uh, that I really don't
0: know. Yeah. Possibly a good creature. Token generator for free. Removal for free. It's just a really nice... Um if he stays in play whatever your opponent does, he's going to get advantage out of it. Absolutely, yeah. Uh,
1: but we'll see. I mean, you know, there's a lot of crazy, clever things that happen in Block Constructed, so you never know.
0: Yep. All right. Right.
1: Uh, moving on, the other small little bit of news we have. Uh, Wizards has released the final chunk of the Grand Prix schedule. I know not super applicable to Magic Online, but it's interesting nonetheless. Uh, yep. And I'm pretty excited because I get yet another Grand Prix in my backyard. In this case, uh, the San Antonio one, which will take place on the same day as one in Taiwan.
0: My f- first thought when you say Grand Prix in your backyard is tell Wizards to get off your lawn. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, to be quite literal, they couldn't hold it in my backyard because I don't have one. But, oh, uh, no apartment dwelling. No, but I'm very excited. I don't think... I- I can't remember a single time that Texas has had two Grand Prixs in a year, and we actually started off the year with Dallas uh, back at the beginning of January, and now we're getting a second one in San Antonio. So I'm super psyched, um, yep. as long as it's not like Legacy, then that would kind of suck because i sold most of my cards off. I count five in uh, the
0: USA, mm-hmm. uh, plus one in Costa Rica, which is… Um, USA-ish. <laughs> yeah, it's the… was it? But… Um, uh, overseas-dependent territory or something?
1: Yeah, there's some pretty title that they have that says that, you know, we control them, but we don't give them any voting rights or something like that. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Four in Europe, everywhere from Paris to Moxfah, stopping off at Lisboa and, ah, Bochum in Germany. Oh, yeah, that's cool. You have... Two on the Pacific Rim, Auckland in New Zealand and Nagoya in Japan. Mm-hmm.
1: And then the the Russian Federation even sneaks one in there.
0: Uh, yep, that's technically in Europe. Okay. Technically. Technically, yeah. It's on, this, it's on this side of the Ural, so it's that part of the Russian. Ah, gotcha. Uh, and I suppose Taipei and Taiwan also counts as um,
1: the APAC.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just about Pacific Rim um, uh, the Taiwan Republic of China um, I wonder how they're going to phrase it in terms of not annoying the Chinese
1: yeah <laughs> that'll be interesting and I'm also curious as to what the uh, the payouts will be because obviously I mean I'm not an international uh, gambling law expert, so I don't know which of these countries if any might have issues because I know I think Germany is one where they're yeah, Germany definitely yeah Germany's it. always had some big issues and typically People have been walking away with Xboxes and iPads instead of uh, cold hard cash. But no. I really don't know about um, some of these other countries. I know they've successfully had them in you know, France and New Zealand. Taiwan will be interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Taiwan's fairly liberal in that regard, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, not certain. I mean you've got a lot of um, uh, interesting um, uh, gambling in that part of the world, but I'm not sure if Taiwan's a part of it or not.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if we have any Taiwanese listeners, maybe you could enlighten us. Let <laughs> us know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, pretty interesting. You know, hopefully you got one in the area. If you haven't been to a Grand Prix before, and there is one relatively close to you coming up, I would really suggest you you go and check it out. They're a lot of fun, um, and it's a really fascinating event for Magic. Um, and they've gotten really pretty impressive in the later uh, years. I've been going to Grand Prixs. I think my first one was in like. I want to say like 2002 maybe, 2003, and in those 10 years, they've come a long way, and they've gotten to be really impressive, fun events.
0: What's quite interesting is the amount of um, double-book dates, if you will.
1: Yeah, we have a triple Grand Prix weekend that one weekend. Uh, yeah,
0: San Jose, Moscow, and Charleston simultaneously.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is interesting. You see, It seems like San Jose and Charleston would kind of be a little competitive You'd think they would have picked a more maybe a Japanese one there or something like that. Or, or Maybe, or maybe West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. But uh no, that'll be interesting. And it allows, you know, everyone the chance to play in a grand prix and keep up for those pros that chase the points. Uh they wouldn't have to fly all the way across the country. They can go to one closer to them and potentially a softer tournament because everybody's kind of split.
0: Mm. Intriguing choice poses. As- yeah. But well, it should be all right. Yeah.
1: And then let's see, we got France and New Zealand booked together, uh, Taiwan and San Antonio together, and then Toronto and Nagoya. So those are pretty fairly separated yeah. out. You
0: most, know? most of those make sense. Uh, Leon and Auckland are practically Antipodes.
1: Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> opposite side of the Pacific, both for Taipei, San Antonio, and for uh, Toronto and Nagoya, mm-hmm. so... Uh, Yep. Can't complain. Yep, very interesting. Uh, But yeah, so now we finally have that
1: whole schedule. I wonder wh- what the deal was with getting it out, because usually they have the whole schedule released. Uh, but I guess with scheduling more Grand prix overall, it takes them longer to uh, find venues and book them and seal the deals.
0: Yeah. The other thought is with the recent changes to um – organized play they probably didn't want to play their hand in case things turned out that uh, they uh, um, wanted to shift things around and change things up um, and had a window to do so
1: yeah uh that's a good point too with all the crazy op announcements we've had in the last couple months
0: mm-hmm.
1: want to make sure everything cooled down
0: first before they got that out there yep. okay right one last item um And it is very relevant to Magic Online. Wizards are asking for sign-ups to the um, user interface redesign beta, which is currently ongoing. Mm -hmm. If you want a chance to see the interface before we all get lumbered with it, um, although it should be compatible with the current um, interface as well, oddly enough, um, then by all means sign up, get a chance to uh, see if you like it or not, and play for free with um, bizarre but entertaining boosters um, and generally see if you like what is in the pipeline for all of us. Um, Make your opinion known. uh, Make sure they know what's right and what's wrong and uh, see where we go from there.
1: Yeah, and I got to agree with AJ, especially on that last point there. So many Magic players, I'm going to say 148% of them, have opinions, pretty strong ones at that. This is a chance to put those opinions into action. For all of you that felt like v- version 3 was less than aesthetically pleasing when it came out, and those of you that are still not happy with it, this is a perfect chance to put those complaints to action. Um, sign up for the redesign so you can check it out, and if you do not like something, you don't like the way it looks, the like the way it functions, they want your feedback because uh, they want – the customers to be happy with the general product because they're a decent business. Yeah. Uh, so if you have an opinion and if you feel like something needs to be this way, please sign up and let them know it should look like this or they need to do this.
0: And failing that, if they don't listen, you always have the right to get, say "I told you so" on the boards when things fail completely.
1: Exactly, because if you don't if you don't do it, you have no you don't have a leg to stand on. But if you did put your two cents in there, you could be like, "Hey, I I said this," you know. That's like when people – in elections, you'd be like, hey, I voted for the other guy. It's not on me. Exactly. All right. Well, that pretty much will cover the news for this week. Mm-hmm. Moving on to our prices. Yeah. So we're just taking a, a quick snapshot of standard really quickly. Um, kind of the same big cards are standing out, mostly because we're seeing the same decks over and over again at the moment. Uh, sort of war and peace continues to go to war on people's wallets, basically. <laughs> Man. Yeah. That card is up to forty-five bucks. I've seen Tolstoy's War and Peace for cheaper than that. Seriously, <laughs> uh, it's nuts. But uh, yeah, I really hope you have that card already if you want it, because having to pick it up now is it's gonna hurt. Um, and a great companion with that sort of war and peace is also up there. And that's Geist to Saint Trast. Yep. It was at almost 20 bucks.
0: It's intriguing to uh, watch how that one's been going up and down. I don't think it would get quite that high, but it um, certainly has.
1: Yeah, I mean, I th- I don't know. I mean, that card, you know, especially paired with the sword, means he's largely unblockable and largely unkillable in a block. And then you're also still smashing in the air with the angel. And obviously yep. the hexproof makes things tricky. But that guy mm-hmm. obviously got better now that he has a he has a lord that can boost him up as well. Blue white's a great combination right now. Although it'll be interesting to see if his price can come down a little bit with uh, the release of Dark Ascension because of the sheer uh, number of limited events that will start to fire again. And don't forget this isn't a pure release. So whenever you play a sealed event, you get three packs of Innistrad to go with the Dark Ascension pack. So we'll see a lot more rares and mythics from that set even influx into the system. Yep.
0: And from one uh, giant of prime time to another.
1: Yeah, that's the, the primeval titan. Man, green ru- uh, the wolf run deck is definitely making its presence felt. Mm. And it. But it's interesting how few cre- creatures it actually runs. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, when you got that 6-6 that six, six batty out there, not sure you need that many more. And also you have the potential for your lands to be some of the dudes with uh, with uh, the Ink Moth Nexus. Yep. but he has climbed his way back up despite his reprint and his sideline status for a while he's made his way back up to seventeen dollars mm.
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then ever fun to watch is the uh snapcaster mage Tiago Chan, who is currently at seven fifty allegedly uh but he is sold out right now.
0: Just make you wonder if there will ever again be an invitational card, yeah.
1: I mean, I think with the new with the new structure of the World Championships, that should be a prize that they throw in there with the the 16-man battle royale that they've established for uh, yeah. World Champs. I don't see why the winner shouldn't be able to. That's that's basically the invitational in a sense. Um, I feel like that person should get to design a card. If you play against, if you spend days battling it out with 15 of the best Magic players on the planet at the time, that should give you <laughs> the ability to make a card. Yep.
0: Yeah. Or failing that, reprint 1996 World Champion with an updated year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: the World Champion.
0: Mm-hmm. On certain um, uh, means of playing Magic, which were not entirely of Wizards' origin, I did a few decks um, uh, built around that card just for the hell of it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Interesting.
1: I don't even. He was like. Well, got, he was like one of each color, and like there was a way to play them from your deck or something like that,
0: right? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, and you could. Um, he his power and toughness were equal to your opponent's life total, which was fun with fling. <laughs> yeah, I think nowadays if they
1: made a, it, they could do the twenty twelve world champion, and it should just be the uh, the Jace. What is it? The Jace Mentor avatar. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be a good one. Just, yeah, do whatever you want. (laughs) Well, fair enough. Um, A couple other cards just to keep your eye on. Uh, Not necessarily breaking the bank right now, but could depending on what goes on. Kessig Wolf Run obviously is severely depressed as a rare in a big set like Innistrad. But it is seeing a lot of play, and will probably continue to as the year rolls on and we go into a new standard uh, in the fall. And it's currently at 17 cents, and it doesn't get much sweeter than that for a a flagship card in a deck. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. If you've got a deck named after you, expect to be much more expensive than that, and it isn't.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, okay. <laughs> Maybe something to pick up on sometime soon. And they are down to three copies right now. So, mm-hmm. uh, another baddie. He's seen a couple. He's been a, reprinted a couple of times now with theme decks, and currently being reprinted. But that's solemn Smolacrum, And that card is. Really, 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 really good. Like the more I play against it now, um it just remind you know, obviously he didn't get the time to shine in Mirrodin because of the overwhelming power power of affinity. That card is just so good. Well, yeah. And uh another invitational winner, uh, as a side note. But uh Yep, Jim mm-hmm. Thorin. Yeah, one of your people. So one of my people. You know the Europeans. No American, we lump all you guys together. if you're not careful i'll start calling you mexicans i i get that on a daily basis side note because i am brown and i live in texas so uh okay moving along we have birthing pod that's another card to watch out for because it's really really powerful really good and was in uh the third set in a block so it could skyrocket it's been as high as ten dollars before but it's currently down to six dollars and another card from that set that was really good, Blade Splicer, who's just under four dollars. Uh, could be hard to get, could be really good. So, just a few cards to keep your eye on.
0: Mm-hmm. Blade Splicer reminds me of a, um, a slightly cheaper uh, Ambassador Oak. It's interesting what um, uh, knocking a man off the price and adding first strike on the big guy will do to uh, the price of a pair.
1: Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I hadn't really thought of that before. (laughs) And also uh, painting him a different color did help because being in white is certainly an advantage right now at least
0: uh, as opposed to being in green. And of course the name uh, itself is very handy in terms of picking things up. Yeah. Absolutely. Blade splicer, (laughs) meat sword. (laughs) You'll take that
1: blade and splice your face off. Quite. (laughs) All right. Right. Uh, moving on. Let's go to our question of the week. And first off, congratulations to last week's winner, which was Adam McKenzie. Uh, this was our first suggestion that rolled in, and probably our best. I like the idea of a From the Vault Lords package. Mm-hmm. That's one I hadn't heard before that I thought would be pretty clever.
0: Yeah, you could uh, touch back on the original Lords from Alpha. You could uh, like Zombie Master. Go from one of the War Chiefs and Scourge. Yep. Um. Uh, Lawin Lords. uh, all sorts, really. Yeah. It's something that would have a lot of potential. Um,
1: I'm not sure that it could break the bank, because I can't really think of any lords that would be excessively up there in price, cause especially because a lot of them are uncommons.
0: There is one. There's the um, uh, mythic vampire lord from um, a couple of corsets ago. Uh, vampire Oh, yeah, Arcturnus. Vampire
1: Nocturnus. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, he's, he's up there a little bit, and he was – I remember – that card being a pain sometimes, when your opponent would cast that, especially on Magic Online, because it would hover on the stack, and you could just yeah. sit there and like, oh god, you hit F2 and hope to god you didn't see a black creature. Because yeah. <laughs> otherwise he's like, oh, it's dude, and he's attacking me for a million. Oh, goodness.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All these guys have now got plus two power and flying. Oh, yeah. I'm screwed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, that stung sometimes. But then when they flipped over, played mm-hmm. him and it flipped over Swamp, you're
0: like, yes! Whew. I was uh, playing a casual tribal day uh, game the other day, and uh, uh, my opponent went um, ritual, uh, duress, ritual. That guy. Ouch.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I lost that one. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine so. <laughs> this is why dark ritual no longer gets reprinted. Around yeah. mass block, they're like, you know what? Maybe we should st- should stop putting this card in uh, the big set of the block. <laughs>
0: Yep. And shortly after that, they went for Magic Online, and we were completely Dark Ritual-less, well, unless you count Cabal Ritual in uh, Odyssey, all the way up to um, uh, the reprinting of Mirage. Yeah. Oh, man, what a good card. Dark Ritual. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh,
1: But yeah, so Adam, in honor of coming up with the idea of Lords, if you want to message me on Magic Online, we will get you a foil Lord Of the Unreal. Uh, So that'll be the prize week. I know, that's very nice. Uh, So that's a fun one. And so I'm not – I don't think you had your Magic Online name in the comments, but go ahead and uh, – if you want to write a post there, let me know. Just message me online, and we will sort that out. And Mm -hmm. on to this week's question, uh, which is this past weekend we had uh, Pro Tour Dark Extension in Honolulu. And Wizards of the Coast did uh, some work to try and beef up their video coverage to include extra decks and live coverage throughout the entire weekend. So our question is, did you watch any of the video coverage uh, from the Pro Tour this weekend? And if so, did you, did you like it, did you hate it, did you feel it worked uh, worked out better? What did you think? Uh, AJ, did you catch any of
0: the videos? Nope, I don't tend to watch um, – well, The thing is I don't tend to follow the Pro Tour much anyway. Yeah, I, I tend to play the game much more than I tend to watch other people play the game.
1: Yeah, and that makes um, sense. And I, that's what I figured yeah. you'd
0: say. Yeah, it's um, it's a part of the game which, whilst I recognise its importance, I recognise its use in terms of getting people in and getting people keeping playing. It doesn't draw me. Yeah, in. good, so, good for the
1: overall game. Not so great for AJ. Not, not, a, not a factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a, what I figured. Uh, as for myself, I did watch a little bit. Uh, I especially love doing the video deck, like watching the video deck text, just seeing them do the breakdowns. Of those, they had a one really interesting video that featured Reed Duke and basically walked you through his draft. They had obviously they record the draft picks, and so what they they had all of his draft picks first face down, and flipped them up, and he kind of talked about his thoughts about how he felt and why he picked these cards and why he went through it. And I thought that was pretty interesting. And I watched a little bit of the the top eight, and I'll probably go back and watch most of that because those are usually pretty entertaining, especially because they had a pretty star-studded this top top eight this this uh go round yeah Mm -hmm. for a given
0: definition of star yeah um the thought occurs was there any time delay on most of the footage because somebody with say um an iphone or or just a laptop um and a bit of craftiness might uh, want to look somebody look over somebody else's draft picks if they're in the same draft and there'd be nothing to actually technically stop
1: yeah that's a That is pretty interesting, and I'm not too sure on that. I don't know if they had what kind of rules they had in place for maybe checking phones or computers during matches, or I don't know how they police that, if at all. So that would be interesting to hear about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I do believe there have been cases of people texting their um, uh, victories uh, pretty much immediately after uh, succeeding at them. So it's. um, Yeah.
1: I know uh, there was one It's from uh, Pro Tour Austin a few years ago that Brian Kibler won. He had a, basically a tweet like, pre-written before the finals um, to, you know, saying he won the Pro Tour, and he just sat there with it and on his phone. And then he did end up winning, and he was like, "Whoo!" pulled out his phone and then sent it. He hadn't sent it. Didn't want to be too braggartish, but uh, had it ready should it come up. Yeah. All right, but uh, if you watched any of the coverage, are you interested in that? Do you care at all? uh let did you us... feature in any of it yeah yeah were you there did you appear you're like hey check it out it's me in the background uh let us know mm-hmm. all right well that'll kind of cover everything for this week so uh except for what you've been playing so aj did you manage to make it to the the tribal what's going on
0: i did have a go at the weekend but um not that much success i was playing a um interesting Thopter deck using because there's a lot of big Thopters been reprinted with all the um, past sets Thopter um, Squadron from uh, Exodus and most recently Flowstone Thopter which is uh, uh, which can hit for seven. Oh, that guy's beating plus seven yeah uh, very fun when you've got say uh, the Cloud Post mana base and can just ramp it out in turn three yeah that's, uh, that's pretty strong <laughs> mm mm-hmm. Oh God. Um, so, yeah, I went with a uh, uh, fairly standard um, uh, Claire Post mana base, but um, uh, couldn't use my um, Glitter Posts to survive the initial uh, burn deck. And in the second round, I was up against uh, uh, Rishaddenport and, and Tanglewire Wire, which, you know, isn't. Fun wasn't fun ten years ago and <laughs> will probably never be fun. You know? Yeah, that's probably why we haven't had a
1: uh, a mana control block uh, design philosophy since Mask Blocks attempt- attempted to do that. Because yeah. managing whether or not you have untapped mana or whether or not your lands are tapped or untapped and whether your opponents are and whether they can pay extra, really not fun mechanics.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that's the first time I've won to a dedicated prison. I've lost against a dedicated prison desk in the, deck in the format. Um, you don't tend to see them much, yeah, because yeah, it's not a format which tends to lend itself to them. Yeah, no, but yeah,
1: um, not not enjoyable. I remember uh, one time when I was at a game store, this guy came up to me, and I'd like because I guess. When I had recently won states, and so people had heard about it. like This guy came up and he was like, hey, you think you can give me some advice on this deck I have? And I was like, I, I guess so. Like That wasn't really my strong suit, but I he's like, he's like, yeah, I've got this casual stasis deck that I've been working on. And I kind of just zoned out there because yeah. you called your deck a casual stasis deck. And as far as I'm concerned, there is no such thing as a casual stasis
0: deck. Well, griefing can be fun occasionally, <laughs> but that's – when it comes to griefing, that's just... Your opponent... That's, that's, that's not the sort of deck you want to play offline. Seriously. That's not the sort of deck you want to play in punching range <laughs> of your opponent. I was like, I guess it's casual if,
1: you know, you hate your friends or something. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I will never yeah. forget that. He was like, yeah, check out my casual stasis deck. <sighs> but, uh, I guess, back to, the, back to the topic here. As for myself, I've just been playing Affinity. Uh, still... Hammering away at uh, Modern. I really like the deck. It's very explosive and very very powerful and very fun. Um, and, you know, should I ch- try and play in a few more PTQs, either on or offline, I'd like to stay sharp. And I get the feeling that'd be the deck I'd play. So, yep, that's pretty much what I've been doing. And I sneak in the occasional mask block draft uh, because they're oh so fun and oh so bizarre.
0: And you never know if you're going to open a a and Port or one. Exactly,
1: yeah. All right. Well, I think that would do it for this week. I believe it would. Yeah, that covers the podcast. So until next time. Yep. Yep. Go ahead and
0: check us out until next, next week.
1: Oh, man, I us keep stepping on your toes here. All right, I'll stop. Go ahead, AJ.
0: That's ah, all right. That's um, – uh, until next time, uh, yeah, just um, – Keep on seeing constant and enjoying yeah. it. And we'll talk to you next week.
1: Later.